Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What a great uh, reminder that song is to that verse. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, and I hope you do, turn to 1 John chapter 2. Um, some of you saw the theme of this week's boot camp and you assumed and you may have already put a marker in John 15. I know we just read that yesterday if you're reading along with us. And, and let me just say, if you are reading along with us, thank you for that. Uh, that's been a great encouragement to your pastor, to the staff. Uh, for we, We've seen some posts on Facebook and we've heard some comments and gotten some input uh, that it's been a lot to several of our folks that have been reading along in John with us. And so if you're doing that, we want to just tell you how much we appreciate that encouragement. So two weeks ago, we introduced this series, and we talked about going back to the basics and this boot camp for believers. And uh, I'm not sure where you were on it, but I'll be honest with you, I was excited about it. I really had some, some uh, trepidation going into it, but I was really excited about it once we got into the meat of it. So we introduced the series. We talked about the importance of information and application, which leads to transformation. And last week, we talked about the importance of Bible study as it allows, allows us to really hear from God. And now today, we're going to talk about abiding in Christ. And so that's where the, the, the staying connected to Christ comes from. That title comes from that word abiding. To abide is to remain, uh, some translations say, but it's, it's that um, constance. It's that we're, we're always there. We're not, we're not stepping in and out of Him. We're not coming and going as it's convenient. We're not following Christ when we're around our Christian friends and we're doing our own thing when we're not. We're not just following Christ or trying to stay connected to Christ on Sundays or maybe on Wednesdays, but this is a constant abiding in Christ. And so I want us to think about that. How do we, how do we stay? How do we remain? How do we abide in, take residence in Christ? Most of the time, again, this topic would send us to the, the true vine passage in John 15. We're the branches, the Father is the owner and the keeper of the vineyard, and Jesus is our true vine. Uh, you see, branches are only as productive as the tree or as the fruit that they produce. If you have a tree that doesn't produce any fruit, it's not a productive tree. An apple tree is just a big, ugly bush without apples. And let me bring that down to lower Alabama, and I'm going to show my florella. Y'all just hold on. Y'all can laugh at me, that's fine. I was a grown man. I was probably, I might have already been in my 40s before I learned this was the correct spelling for this word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it the way we would say it in Florella, and then I'll say it with a proper uh, enunciation of the letters, and I'll give it to you, okay? A scuppling vine is just a kudzu vine without scuplings. Now, how many of y'all understand what that is? Now, if I were to tell you scuppernongs, how many of y'all would understand that word better? All right, y'all, all right. It's scuplings. My granny didn't have a scuppernong vine out there in the backyard that I played with. And when I was a stupid little kid, I'd go out there with my, with my uh, wiffle ball bat, and I would get a bunch of scuplings off, and I'd put them in a little sack, and I'd go out and hit them with a, I want to, just tragic. <laughs> That's a terrible waste of scuplings. But, but a, a, whatever you want to call it, that, is, that, it, that vine is really no different than just kudzu, except for the fruit that it produces. Now, nobody's going to go find them a big piece of kudzu and chew on it. But if you're like me and you're walking around you saw a scuffling vine, you're going to grab one of them off and eat it. It's, it's the fruit that it produces that makes the, the vine, shows that the vine is good. And the vine we know in Jesus is always good. So the only thing to show whether or not we're connected to the vine 
is the fruit that we produce. And you can't have a vine and have a limb, a branch, that's sometimes connected and sometimes isn't. If the branch is ever unconnected or disconnected or unplugged, it stops bearing fruit. So this, this concept of abiding in Christ is critical for us to really understand and know that we're saved. So the same applies to church folks. You've heard me say it, no fruit means no root. We need to be sure that we abide with or stay connected to the true vine that is Jesus. And, and I want to say this, we see the clearest example of this in the apostles. All right, so, so we have 12 apostles. You remember, Everybody remember that? I mean, I know we've gone back to basics, but <laughs> I want to make sure we're clear on that. So there were 12 disciples, 12 apostles, 12 that traveled with Jesus during his earthly ministry. And, and they were, you would say that those were obviously, they were connected, right? But, but were they? How do you know if you're connected? Here's how you know. You know you're connected if you're Peter, and even though you deny Christ three times, he redeems you, and you stay connected, versus Judas, who was never really connected. Does that make sense? Peter was abiding in Christ, even though his flesh took over, and he, he lost his nerve, and he, and he denied Christ three times after making the bold statement that he would never, that he would even die for Christ. Judas was never connected. Judas was only a, a kind of an orbiting branch. He was never an abiding branch, a connected branch. So hopefully today we can look at some of these uh, same concepts of, of what it looks like to be abiding and what it looks like to be separated from, from this passage today. So if you're, if you're in 1 John, if you'll look to chapter 2 and if you'll stand with us, we're just going to read verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Can I just tell you what a joy it is to be able to read from the Word of God? Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I went back and thought about what I said in the end of my sermon last week, and it just resonated with me. I hope it did with you, that the psalmist would be terribly jealous of us if he knew that we had this book. That the, the Old Testament, uh, the, the, the people of the Deuteronomy time, the people in Numbers, the people that had to study the Torah from the, from the scrolls, and they would just hear it from the priests, they would be terribly jealous of our access to God's Word by being able to pick it up and read it. So let's honor them and honor Him in the public reading of His Word. Verse 3, chapter 2, 1 John. This is how we are sure that we have come to know Him, by keeping His commands. The one who says, I have come to know Him, yet doesn't keep His commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Some of y'all think that your pastor is the only one that doesn't mix, mince words. Uh, I don't think John was pulling any punches there. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Father God, speak to us today through your word, for your glory, and for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. So according to this passage, there are two ways to know that we have come to Christ. And there are two ways to be able to know that we are connected to Christ. All right? All right. I don't want us to get lost in this. There's not like four points. There's two sets of two. The first one talks about how we know we have come to Christ, and the second two are how we know we are connected to Christ. So look at, look at the first part of verse 3. It's pretty clear. This is how we have come to know Him. This is how we are sure that we have come to know Him. It couldn't be more clear. This is, this is what I would consider like black-letter law. This isn't some ethereal concept. This is plain English. No matter what translation you look at it in, it should be pretty much these words. 
This is how we know. This is how we can be sure. This is how we have confidence. This is how we can rest easy in the fact that we have come to know Jesus Christ. So how do you know that you're saved? You, you look at this passage and you measure your life up to it. So it says there's two ways. The first way is knowing by keeping his commands. That word commands there is a word that means commandments or precepts. So I want you to hear this. This not only means the letter of the law, it also means the spirit of the law. So if you're trying to get out of something in the legal system and you have a good attorney, what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to find errors or faults with the letter of the law, how a law was written. Now, I, I'm not trying to get political, but I, I just think it's a, a, one of the best examples. When President Clinton was being uh, uh, interviewed or, or uh, deposed, he actually said, it depends on what your definition of is is. It's almost like he told his buddies, hey, y'all watch this. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to tell them it depends on what your definition of is is. And they didn't believe him. He said, no, no, really, y'all watch me. I'm going to do it. And, and like, afterwards, they're all sitting at the, at the bar drinking the beer and they're like, hey, Bill, I, you did it. I made props to you. I didn't think you had enough guts to tell a Senate subcommittee. It depends on what the definition of is is. But that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's that kind of looking for the loophole, trying to figure out what we can get away with. We want to look at the, the verbiage. And listen, we, we can be honest and we can tell the truth and stay in the church. We sometimes try to do that. We do that with drinking. Well, the Bible says, he, Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. Now, we just ignore the fact that wine in the, old, in the New Testament time was completely different than wine now. That, that he was taking wine because he couldn't, didn't have access to antacids. We, we just ignore that. We ignore the fact that their drinking water was so uh, just you know, filled with microbes and bacteria. They didn't have the, the process of purifying it that we do now. They would put this fermented uh, juice in there to kill the bacteria so they wouldn't die of dysentery. But see, what we do is we just use that as a loop. Oh, no, no, no. They said that you drink, drink it in the Bible. But, and that's what I'm saying. This is not just following the letter of the law. This is following the spirit of the law. It's saying, hey, God, what do you want me to do, and, and what, how, what is it that I can do to make sure that I fully fulfill everything that you want me to do? How, how far away can I stay from sin? Not how close to, uh, I'll use Stacy's phrase again, people want to see how much hell they can have in them and still get into heaven. No, this is talking about the letter and the spirit. In other words, okay, I've identified that this is sin. The Bible says that's sin. Here's what we tend to do. All right, no lightning bolts. Heart's still beating. It must be good. Okay, that's all right. It's Brother Charles's rat trap. It's the same. It's the same illustration as the rat trap. We want to get in and get out. Get in and get out. But eventually, it's going to get you. Eventually, you're going to want to get it and take a drink of it, and then you're going to be dead because you've gotten into that sin. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, notify yourself. Make sure that you are understanding that that is sin, and then get away from it. Walk 180 degrees away from it. Get as far away from it as you can. That's the spirit of the law. So it's not just the letter, it's the spirit. So here, here's my, this is my theory, okay? You can disagree with this, and you can be wrong. It's okay, you can be wrong. Here, there are five general categories of people when it comes to studying the Bible, reading the Bible, looking into the Word of God. Y'all ready? Number one, they don't open it. They probably have one because everybody in the South has one, or your granny would whip you but they just don't open it. Number two, they only open it at church. 
And that's usually just so they can be seen opening. Yes, brother, good morning. Yes, in the Word. Bless God. And then number three, they read a verse or two every day to feel spiritual. They want to check something off their list. They want to, you know, they just got that one verse that pops up on their phone, and they read it, and it checks it off, and it tells everybody on social media that you read it. And then there's the other, number four, the ones who look at it like we talked about before to try to find loopholes. We had a guy at a church I was at that every time it said anything about drinking, he would, he would literally say, there, preacher, they got drinking in the Bible. What good is that doing anybody? Is that edifying? Is that encouraging? Is that exhorting? Is that? No. And then the fifth kind, sadly, in most churches, this is the smallest minority, the people who study the Word of God to draw closer to Christ. They are pursuing Jesus by digging into the Word of God. So here, let me ask you this. Which one of those groups do you fall into? Be honest with yourself and answer that question. Don't open it. Open it only at church. Read a verse every day to feel spiritual. Look into it to find loopholes or study it to grow in Christ. So the first way we know is by keeping His commands. The second way we know that we have come to Christ is by keeping His word. The second part or the first part of verse 5 says, But whoever keeps His word... Truly in him the love of God is perfected or complete. That word perfected there comes from another Greek word that we're going to be more familiar with. But that word is teleo, to perfect, to complete, to finish. Now this is in the perfect indicative passive tense. All right. Now here's what that means. It is a statement of fact completed in the past, not by the person mentioned in the, in the, in the uh, sentence, with continuing results. Let me say that again. Completed in the past by some other force or some other person, with continuing results. So here's how I break that down for me to understand it. Essentially, that means that God did the work in advance, and all we need to do is throw ourselves into obedience in order to reap the, re the results. God did a work in the past, and all we need to do is throw ourselves into obedience to reap the results. Now, here's, here's the word that we're probably most familiar with. It comes from that same root, tetelestai. Everybody familiar? Anybody heard that one? Tetelestai, that's the, that's the word that Jesus used in John 19.30 as he died. He said, Tetelestai, and that means it is finished. Now, this is unique. I learned this two weeks ago when I was studying this. Archaeologists have found that that word was often written on business documents in the New Testament times to show that a bill had been paid. So imagine that you get a, you get a bill. Uh, when I worked at ABA Super in Paxton, they used to come in there and say, Mr. Carl, can I get that on a ticket? And he would let them or he would not let them. It just kind of depended on what mood he was in. But what they would do is they would look at the art say, so you got $98.36 worth of groceries. And they would get a little ticket out, had your name on it. And they would write 98 whatever. And then that was your ticket. And then the next time you came in, when you could, you'd pay it off. Well, in, in New Testament times, when you went in and paid it off, they would write Tetelestai on it. Now think about that. If that was the practice, if that was a common practice in the day, can you imagine all the people that heard Jesus from the cross yell, Tetelestai! What they would have heard was the debt is paid, the bill is signed off, the payment has been made, there's no more accounting to be done, it is finished, it is done. That's the same root word from what we're talking about here, that you're going to be complete, you're going to be whole. The work of making us complete is a fact. It has been done in the past by Christ's finished work on the cross, but the results of that work never cease in us. That's what that word means. That's what that phrase means when we say that we will be, uh, that the love of God is perfected. 
when we keep his word. So there are two ways we, can come, we know that we have come to Christ, knowing by keeping his commands and knowing by keeping his word. Now, let's look at the second part of verse 5 and find out how we can know we are connected to Christ, okay? We are, this is how we know we are in him. Not that we have come to him. Look at, go back and look at the first part of the other verse. This is how we have come to know him. No, this is how we know we are in him, in Christ, which is where we need to be. We are knowing by growing. Look at the first part of verse 6, the one who remains in him. I'm going to give you a John 15. Uh, I don't want to preach the sermon out of John 15, but you can't talk about abiding without talking about John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit, but you can do nothing without me. If we remain in Christ, we will be productive. Let me tell you something, church. That's the only way for you to be productive. You can't be productive for the kingdom of God unless you are in Christ. You can't drive a tank from the outside of the tank. You've got to get in the tank. You can't drive your truck or your car outside of your car. You have to be in your car. If you want to have control over your vehicle, you better be sitting at the, at the driver's seat. Well, if you're, if you're going to have, have any kind of hope for having a, a complete and whole life, for having a productive life in Christ, you're going to have to be in Christ. You're going to have to be seated in Christ, rooted in Christ, grounded in Christ, abiding in Christ. Matthew 7.20 says you will recognize them by their fruit. And this is Jesus talking, and what he's talking about is teachers. There were a lot of false teachers. Remember Matthew 7. Listen, if, if you don't want your feelings hurt, you better not get into Matthew 7. Because it's all Jesus, and it's all him talking about fake believers, fake Christians, people who pose. And, and that's what it's talking about. Uh, you know, uh, the first part of it talks about getting the, the plank out of your eye before you go get a speck out of your brother's eye. And it goes all the way to the end where he says there'll be some that say, Jesus, Jesus, hey, we know you. And he says, I don't know you. So this whole chapter is talking about that. So in this verse 20, he's talking about teachers. But the same method applies to every believer. Listen to me. You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their social media. You will know them by their interactions with others. You will know them by their church attendance. And I know we, that's a dirty word nowadays. But nobody wants to mess with it. Let's not talk about church attendance. Listen to me. I'm not talking about during a pandemic. I'm not talking about you have a health concern. I'm just talking about having that desire to be in church, to be around the body of Christ, to hear the word preached. Listen to me now. Now I'm really going to meddle, all right? And I'm not doing this because our education minister is sitting up front. Being in a small group, you will know them by their desire to serve Christ. You will know them by their desire to be full of Christ, to be in Christ, to be knowledgeable about Christ, to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. You will know them by their fruit. Their fruit is not coming to church once a week. Their fruit is not coming to church two, two or three times a month. Their fruit is the everyday production of their lives. You will know them by how their children act. You will know them by how they are respected in their community, how they conduct their business. You will know them by the words they use when they hit one in the bushes on the golf course, when they dig one into the water on a par three. You will know them by the way they react when they pull a hook on a big bass. Do you see my point? It's not just what you do here in the church house. It's what you do everywhere else that tells people that you are truly in Christ. So we'll know 
by growing, and then number two, we'll know by growing. Look at the last part of verse six, by walking just as he walked. The word walk is a figurative word there used for a pattern of life or a behavior. Can I just tell you that this is extremely convicting to me? That's why I got emotional when I read it. We will know that we are connected to Christ, that we are in Christ when we walk just as he walked. I didn't want to tell this story. So I, I, I go to the funeral for Mr. Barry Chambers, and they just had a graveside, so I, I drove out there, met them there, did the funeral, got in the, car, got in the truck, started to leave, and as I'm leaving, Jamie and Sandra Hildreth are in front of me. And so I see them, and I said, well, I don't want to pass them, you know, I'm, I, we're probably going back, so I just kind of ease, I just kind of, I look back, I'm, I'm, real, I'm, I'm a very good driver, not Rain Man good, but I'm a good driver. So I look back, and I see this SUV, but it's way on back there. So I hit my blinker, and I ease over and get behind Jamie and Sandra. And this guy comes by me, and he is giving me the one-finger salute. I mean, like he's leaned out over, making sure he's getting in that passenger window so I can get a good look at it. We will walk just as he walked. Not right there. <laughs> you ever have those times when you realize that you still got work to do? <laughs> Can I just tell you this? Maybe that sounds very pastoral. But my, my, now listen, I'm just going to be honest. My, my initial was, I'm going to follow him to wherever he's going. <laughs> and I'm going to work out more than my salvation on that guy. I'm just going to be honest. Now listen, it was a, I'm, just, I'm not trying to, it was a flash. And it was immediately followed by conviction. Deep, I mean, really deep conviction. I thought, that is not who I want to be. That's the old Kev trying to get back up. That, that's, that's the old self trying to rise up and get his way. That's the selfishness of my flesh saying I have been offended and I need to be, I need to get retaliation. I need to get back. I need to be uh, fulfilled by this anger that's coming in me and I need to work it out. Here's what happened right after that. Lord God, forgive me. Forgive me for not worrying about his salvation more than my own personal offense. So I'm telling you this not, not to try to, I, just, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm just trying to be real with you. I don't know if this is the right thing to say in front of a group of people in the church. I don't know, but I'm just telling you. I know when I read this word just as he walked that I've got room to grow. I've got room to get closer to him. I've still got stuff in my life that I need Jesus to flush out, to wash out, to bleach out. That flesh is still alive, and I've got to kill it. Always be killing sin or it will be killing you. I, don't, I can't remember the, the author of that quote, but that sticks in my mind. That day I thought, that's some more of me that I've got to kill. That's some more of me that I have to present on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto God, which is my reasonable act of worship. The passage literally says we know we are His because we live like He lived. How did He live? The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. God didn't come to fight people that shot him a bird. God came in human flesh to wash his disciples' feet. Dr. Donna Wright 
said in our material this week. And if you, have, if you haven't read this week's material, I, I encourage you to do it. Obedience and surrender are essential to be a fruitful follower of Christ. Man, that's so good. Obedience and surrender are essential to be a fruitful follower of Christ. That means living a sacrificial life. That means my, my, when you offend me, that's not important. How I respond to that so that I can point people to my Jesus is all that's important in that situation. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is not your pastor telling you that you, telling you, that you have to live like Jesus if you want to be saved. I want to be clear about it. Let me say that again. This is not your pastor telling you that you have to live like Jesus if you want to be saved. The Bible's telling you. I'm not telling you because it wouldn't matter if I told you. I don't have the authority the Word of God has. The Word of God could not be more clear here that if you want to know that you're saved, you have to live like Christ. So there are two ways we can know that we're connected. It's knowing by growing and knowing by going. Now, some of you who are astute or who just are biblical scholars, or maybe your just mind is wired this way, you're thinking, well, Brother Kevin, you've missed a verse. You talked about verse 3, and you talked about verse 5, and you talked about verse 6, but what about the other verse in there? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You see, staying connected to Christ means we have come to Christ, and we know that by keeping His commands and keeping His word. It means we are connected to Christ. We know that by growing and by going. However, if we say we've come to Christ, but we don't keep His commands, we don't keep His Word, and if we say we're connected to Christ, but we never grow and we never go, then verse 4 explains what condition we would be in if that were the case. Let me read that for us. The one who says, I have come to know Him without keeping His commands is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. Now that word truth is, I know we want to focus on liar, and I'm going to get to that. But the word truth there, aletheia, means the love of truth, both in words and conduct. It means sincerity and veracity. Listen, listen to the deeper meaning of that word. It's not just truth, because now in 2020, we, 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 have, we have watered down truth to the point that we think we can take ownership of it. I want y'all to, to listen. This, this, is a, this is not preposterous in 2020. Um, I'm really, I don't have a weight problem. I'm not fat. Um, I'm, I'm actually at my perfect ideal weight for my height. And that's my truth. And when you say that, people now in 2020 are like, well, that's, that's their truth. I guess we're just going to have to let it go. I go to the doctor and he says, hey, you got high blood pressure, you got, you know, you got all kind of problems going on, your heart ain't pump, pumping molasses, you, get, you quit eating all this stuff. Hey, doc, uh-uh, I'm in perfect health, and that's just my truth. See, in our modern culture, we think we can take ownership of truth and we can make something true because it's ours. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Here's what I would love to tell every 2020 individual. You don't have the authority to call something truth. Jesus is the truth. He calls it what is true. The Bible says what is true. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, whether it offends your, your sensibilities or not, the Bible is the truth because it is the word of Almighty God. And if you say that you have come to know Him but you don't obey Him, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Not only are you a liar, but everything you say is a lie. You're like the devil. The devil is the father of lies. You know how to tell when the devil's lying? His lips are moving. 
This is our truth, the Word of God. Here's the, here's the, the great thing about it. This is also the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This is what truth means. This is what we're trying to get at when we're talking about truth. Let me give you some other passages. 1 John 3, 24. The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. You know, again, go back to my story when I was driving back to the church the other day. That was a, that was a very disturbing moment for me, and it was kind of a, a, a little check. Like, hey, I, I got to do, do some house cleaning. But here's what the other thing was. I was so reassured by the fact that it was an immediate conviction. God didn't let me get a mile down the road. He didn't let me get back to my office or see the church sign. He didn't wait until I got home and tried to do my quiet time. In that moment, the Holy Spirit of God, who is residing inside of this old body, said, that ain't the way we want to act. That's not the way we want to think. That's not how Jesus would live. It was an immediate conviction, and I was so thankful for that because I know that that means he's in me. And the way we know he remains in us is from the Spirit he has given us. The Spirit said, no, 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 uh-uh. That's not what we're going to do. 1 John 3, 6, everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Now, here is where we go back to reading and studying the Bible. This is where it's so critical. If you just read that verse, and by the way, it's that way in most translations. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who, has, who sins has not seen him or known him. If you just look at it on face value, you would, to me, I would be completely discouraged. Well, in that moment, did I sin? Yeah. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Did I sin? Yes. So wait a minute. So the one, go back to 324, the one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him, and the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. But, but then in, in verse 6 of that same chapter, everyone who remains in him doesn't sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. So what's the problem? Here's the problem. Look deeper. The word sin here is a present participle, meaning it expresses continuous or repeated action. The, the, the way to really think about that is everyone who stays connected to Christ does not keep on sinning. Everyone who keeps on sinning is utterly lost. Does that make more sense? Does that help? It helped me because I thought, man, if, if I sin and I'm not in him, that's what, that's what I grew up thinking, that I could lose my salvation. As soon as I sin, whoop, going to hell. As soon as I sin, as soon as I said a dirty word or thought of a bad thought, any of that stuff, boom, I'm automatically I'm, 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 I'm going to be cast out. But this is talking about a habitual lifestyle of sin. This is talking about I sin with no repercussions. I sin with no conviction. I sin and I don't repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John 15, 10, it says, Jesus talking here says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So let me sum it up. If you don't strive wholeheartedly to imitate Jesus publicly and privately and stay connected to him, listen to me, you are lost. If you don't strive wholeheartedly to stay connected with Jesus, to imitate him publicly and privately, you're lost. Now my intention as your pastor is never to tell you to live up to my standard because I'm not the standard. 
My intention as your pastor is never to judge your eternity or judge your salvation. Now, I'm a fruit inspector. My intention is to simply make sure that you know exactly what the Bible says indicates true salvation. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding, misgivings. I don't want anybody to leave a service here and go, yeah, I think I'm all right. Because, again, if you're in one of those other four uh, categories as far as Bible reading, you're not going to ever get home and figure it out for yourself. That's why you're supposed to study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I can't study to show you approved. I can only study to show me approved. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that's the same truth, the same Greek word used in 1 John 2.4. When it says you're a liar and the truth is not in you, that's the same truth, the same word that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If we say we belong to God but we don't obey Him, we are lying and Jesus is not in us. That's, that's, the, that's what that means. Just because you have asked Jesus into your heart doesn't prove your salvation. Let me give you some verses here, or one verse, I'm going to break it down. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Here's what, that, here's what that verse breaks down to. It is your dedication, not just your declaration, that shows you belong to Jesus. It is your dedication, not just your declaration, that shows you belong to Jesus. Because let me tell you something. I've seen a lot of pop music stars con confess. And now typically they don't say Jesus, they say God. By the way, you know what they do? You know why they do that? It was because the, the song that we sang this morning, there's something about that name. Jesus said, they will hate you for my name. If you identify with my name, they will hate you because they hated me first. Well, you know, I just want to give God, you know, the man upstairs and all that, you know. Uh, all right, that ain't Jesus. I want, to hear, I want to hear somebody talk about Jesus. I want to hear somebody talk about the king. Their declaration means nothing without their dedication. John even says in verse 19 that many people have left the church. He says, many have left. They've walked away. And that proves that they weren't part of Christ to begin with. Church membership meant so much more in the New Testament as it still does in many areas around the globe, more than it does in America. Anyone and everyone who had joined the church in the New Testament had been thoroughly vetted, and yet some still abandoned their faith. You know why? Because they were never in Christ. You can come to Christ, but if you're not connected in Christ, you can slip away. Does that mean you lose your salvation? No, what that means is you can't lose something that you never had. These weren't people that lost their salvation. These were people who had simply lost the strength to fake a relationship with Jesus. When times get tough, when real persecution comes, that's when the fakes drop away. My prayer is that one good thing that will hopefully come from this time is that the church will be refined by the fires of pandemic, political pressure, and public unrest. There's several different ways to get home from church today, but there's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus. So here's, here's the big question today. What will you do with this information? Again, this is not my opinion. This is straight from the Scriptures. You have, you have to know that you have come to Christ. You have to know that you have been connected to Christ. And if you haven't, if you can't say that, then you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So how will you respond? How you respond today to the message that God has given us through his word. Let's stand. If you will please stand and 
we're, we're not going to linger, but if you would stand and, and every head bowed and every eye closed. I know it's a little uncomfortable sometimes, but if you would just stand and close your eyes, bow your head. Let me, I'm just going to talk to you briefly, and then we're going to close. I don't think this passage could be any clearer. I, I don't know if, if I messed it up or if I helped, but, but if you just read the passage, 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it can't be more clear. This is how we have come to know Him. This is how we can, are connected with Him. And if we haven't done those things, then we are lost. We are undone. It doesn't, it doesn't say how long you've attended church. It doesn't say anything about a, a profession of faith at any point. It just says if, you're not, if you haven't come to Christ, you haven't connected with Christ, you're, in other words, you're not surrendered so that your life is wholly His, it says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. The same truth that Jesus said He was in John 14, 6. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, if you're here today and you can't say, Brother Kevin, I have surrendered my life, I came to Christ, I've connected with Christ, and I still am, I know the truth is in me, I know I'm not a liar because I obey His commands, because I follow His precepts, because I, I surrender my life to Him. If you can't say that today, please don't hesitate. Please don't, please don't go home on a hope so. Please don't try to go to bed tonight on a hope so. Your life may be required of you today you know, we worry about the end of time. Let me tell you something. You better be worried more about the end of your life because the end of your life could come right now. The end of time may be years away, but, but you're going to, every one of us is going to have to stand in judgment. Don't try to leave here today on a hope so faith. If you know that if you died today that you're uncertain, if you don't know that you would go to heaven because you don't know that you've ever connected with Christ and abided in Christ, just come talk to me right now. If you're here today and you say, you know, Brother Kevin, I, I have been connected, but I'm not where I need to be. I just need to, re I need to repent. I need to confess my sins so he can uh, cleanse me of my sins. If that's you today, would you just slip a hand up? Nobody's looking around. Just kind of slip a hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want to pray for you. If, you. if you say, I'm not where I need to be in my walk with Christ, if you just slip that hand up. 